Pray with me. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and grace, your anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you for the power that you've bestowed upon us to do your will by your love and your mercy, the grace that empowers us to live the life you've called us to, to be a blessing to others, to prosper, to be healed, to love, and to walk in the dominion that we have inherited as your children. Help us to grow in your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 10, verse 19 says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus speaking those words, those powerful, powerful words, as he sent 72 out to go and do the things that He had called them to do for the kingdom of God. Heal the sick, raise the dead, open blind eyes, preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. And they came back and they were so excited. Lord, even the demons, you know, respond to us. He said, basically he was saying so. Of course they do. That's nothing. Be thankful your names are written in heaven. That's the bigger deal. It's all about salvation. But that other stuff is important too. Very important. Behold, I give you power, Jesus said. Power over what? The reason I just kind of wait in a second is because I want you to think about it, you know, because a lot of things we just know it, but we don't really think about it, chew on it, you know, he wasn't giving us power over Satan. He was giving us power over Satan's power. Okay. There's a difference. And it's important to know that. Because Satan is in charge here for a while, isn't he? As bad as it hurts to say that. Of this world, I mean. But we're not of this world, are we? We're seated in heaven right now with Jesus. The right hand of God. But we do have authority over any power that Satan would try to exert here in this kingdom, in this earth. And you say, well, but Jesus was just talking to those disciples, those apostles. So was it just for them? A lot of people in the church these days will still, especially place churches with no power, They don't believe in healing, don't believe in miracles, don't believe in, you know, they believe that everything that 
that the apostles did, the original apostles, that set them apart and made them newsworthy, died with them. But that's not true. Because God said he has given us, when Jesus ascended, he gave gifts to men. He gave, and what gifts did he give? He gave the ministry gifts to the church, to you, to help you to grow and empower you to do the work of the ministry. He gave the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. So until everyone has become to the unity of the faith and the image of Christ, and until he returns, basically, all those gifts are still in the body of Christ. But it wasn't just for the apostles. Look to Acts chapter 3. Chapter 3, yeah. Go down to the, well, just to summarize, this is where Peter and John were going to pray at the hour of prayer in the, the morning. And they, there was a man, lame from birth, who was laying by the gate called Beautiful, right? And he was just sitting there every day to beg, ask for, for alms from those who were entering. Seeing, verse 3 of chapter 3 of Acts, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Did Peter provide the miracle? But faith provided the miracle, didn't it? Faith. Faith provided the miracle. And I, I, I'm just here to tell you that you have the same measure of faith. We all have the same measure of faith. Now, there's different types of workings of the Holy Spirit. And the miracle of healing is one of them. But this was a, a faith healing. Let's just, let's just have a discussion today about a few things. All week, the Lord's been showing this example to me. And so if you'll indulge me for a second, I'm going to look at my phone. He expected something, didn't he? So, somebody's faith was involved because you can't. Yeah, even the even the the man that was lowered down on the mat in front of Peter, I mean in front of Jesus, 
what did it say? When Jesus saw their faith. You know how I've talked to you before, how, how if someone is just too low and too down and too out and just too tired to believe, well, let them use your faith. If you can just get them in neutral to disengage their unbelief, then your faith can pull them on in. The point is that it's not that the, the power and authority that Jesus has given us is for everyone in the church, for all believers, all saints. And no matter what the, some denomination or some religion might say, you know, man doesn't decide who the saints are. You are a saint if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. It's all in here. Some people just need to look at the word and they would run away from the things that have been holding them down. Roy, wrong way, Rigels. <laughs> R-I-E-G-E-L-S. Roy Rigels. Roy Wrongway, they call him. April 4th, 1908 to March 26, 1993. He played for the University of California, Berkeley football. <laughs> would have been Berkeley. Wrong way. <laughs> he played for them from 1927 to 1929. His wrong way run in the 1929 Rose Bowl is often cited as the worst blunder in the history of college football. That one play overshadowed Rigel's football talent since he earned first-team All-American honors and served as team captain for the Bears, the Chicago Bears, in 1929. Rigel's, notably, has been shared by motivational speakers who use his life as an example of overcoming setbacks. But really, he was always known as Wrong Way Rigel's. It happened again 60 years later, I think, for... Uh, Oh, I don't remember what team. Another guy recovered. What he did, he recovered a fumble. And, and in the chaos, he got turned around and ran like crazy 60 yards the wrong way and scored a safety for the other team. It happened again 60 years later in the NFL. Same thing. Can't remember that guy's name. <laughs> but the Lord has been putting that image in my mind all week. Guy running the wrong way and people yelling at him. He Rigel's even had, I watched a video of it, had one of his teammates chasing him just like you would chase somebody to catch him to tackle him, you know, trying to get to him to stop him. And I'm sure they were all yelling and everything, but man, he was so focused and determined. But it was on the wrong goal post, you know. And the Lord just continues to show me that. I'm like, till I get tickled, I'm like, Lord, what? And he says, that's, that's what a lot of my people are doing. My people are perishing for lack of knowledge. I can't tell you the countless and countless people just that I know, much less in the whole world, the whole body of Christ, and then all the unsaved world. But then I'm talking about the ones that claim Jesus. That are so wrong minded. When it comes to the things of God. But they're so sure. And if they only had the truth. And would embrace the truth. 
or even be open to acknowledge that they've been believing wrong for all these years and that they're basically fighting so hard for the things of God, air quotes, that are really the things of the devil. And they're, they're running and running and running so determined and they're really putting up points for the devil. But they really, their motivation is pure. Their heart is pure. They want to do the right thing. And they're believing that they, but they've invented a God of their imagination. Because anytime that you believe and embrace any truth that is not the truth of God's word, then it's really not the truth at all. It's a lie. And perpetuated most oftentimes by the devil. And really, you're just opening doors all along the way for the devil. God, Jesus did not call us to make converts. And most of the body of Christ are just converts. Or they've said a prayer and gone on about their business. And very few are disciples of the word. Because this truth is what's going to help us. My people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. Not just book knowledge. Not, not, not the knowledge that you could get at somewhere like Berkeley. Where Rigel's learned and ran the wrong way. <laughs> and we see those people out there running the wrong way every day, aren't they? And they believe that their cause is just. But it's not. The battle lines are being clearly defined here in these end times. These spiritual battle lines. A man was arrested yesterday at Mall of America. A preacher from California who was visiting Minnesota. He preached at a church there. And then, as courtesy is, when you have ministering visitors, visiting ministers, you entertain them, take them out, show them around, whatever. The pastor and his son took this preacher to Mall of America. It's the biggest mall, I guess, in the world or whatever. It used to be, I don't know. Nevertheless, they got into uh, conversation with some other people, men that were there. And uh, I guess they noticed his complexion or whatever. And they asked him if he was Muslim. He said no. This preacher said no, that he was. But... Then he had converted to Christianity. Why? What did you change? What happened? This and that. that. Perfect opportunity. So he begins to share his testimony. How when he found out that Jesus had died for him on the cross, he converted and became a Christian. And a woman, a Muslim woman listening nearby, ran and got a security guard and came and told him that he was harassing them. The security guard came and detained him and they called the police and the police arrested him and charged him with two counts. Criminal trespass and harassing uh, something. I don't know. That's right here in the United States. A man is arrested for preaching the gospel, for sharing his testimony in a mall with people who asked. What are you going to do? Say, hey, 
Well, I'm sure they'll have their day in court. And, you know, under times of great adversity, the church has always flourished. But the point is, it's here in this nation that was founded on the principles in this book right here. I could show you where every clause in our Constitution and Declaration of Independence basically came from sermons that had been preached in the decade prior to the writing of that document in the colonies. Nevertheless, these are interesting times that we live in. And when you can't share the love of Jesus Christ with people without them thinking it's hate, listen, the people on the this left wing or whatever you want to call it, that have embraced everything that God hates. And then they say that they're the ones that are just protecting and defending against injustice and things like that. They're deceived. They're deceived. and these, But they embrace this, this religion that would kill them if it ever took control here, which it will if they continue to support them and come against Christians, eventually that's their goal. And then they'll kill every one of them that live a lifestyle that they want us to call good. But they hate us because we, we won't call it good. Yet we're the only ones that will pr- protect them and love them till the day they die, hoping that God will get a hold of them. But just because we won't call their evil good... They say we're haters. When we love them, we will never judge them. We just pray that they believe the way that we do and are free someday. And because of it, they hate us. But they defend those who would really do them harm. This is, you see what I mean? It's so surreal. It's got to be the devil, and it is. But... What God is saying is it's time, you know, for, for, for his true ministers. And I've told this story so many times that I, how I fought with him and argued with him. Lord, what do you want me for? There's a church on every corner. And, and he's just like, that's not my church. Not all of them. Don't get me wrong. There's, he's got plenty of witnesses out there that do love him. And, but the church is much smaller than you think. Much. And he showed me that, and he showed me that most many of the ministers that claim him are either out of position, or they, you know, are not his. And that he needs ministers who will share his word and teach to faithful men and women who will in turn teach others. That's what he asked Timothy to do. That's what Paul asked Timothy to do. But there's just a lot of things. And, you know, I love like, a, uh, I think I shared last week, Dr. Dr. Seuss. He said, sometimes the questions are complicated. The answers are simple. And that's where we are with the gospel. The Lord just asked me just to share some basic things. Starting with Prayer. How many of you think you have a really healthy prayer life? You don't have to answer. Just maybe food for thought. Most of us 
beat ourselves up a little bit. We don't pray enough. Nobody prays enough, honestly. Because it's Bible says pray without ceasing. <laughs> so I haven't lived up to that. So I think what God means is just to always be mindful of Him. And I like to think that I'm in a pretty good place in that, although at the end of every day I do repent over things, mostly jumping. <laughs> if you drive in Houston, you jump a little bit <laughs> before you maybe speak, before you <laughs> think. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But, nevertheless, he says, just teach the basics, you know. First of all, there's five easy things that, about prayer. And sometimes people don't even have uh, just the basics. And sometimes, you know, we just need to tweak things a little bit. You know, have you ever... I remember a guy taught me when I was about eight years old, nine years old. I, I wasn't a very good batter. I didn't have a dad, you know. I didn't have anybody to really work with me, so I would practice. I'd throw a ball against the wall, whatever I had to do, knock on doors in the apartments we lived in, <laughs> get somebody to play catch with me. So I was hungry, but I just didn't have any real help. But my next-door neighbor, who was a couple years older than me, he was good at all sports and stuff. One day he saw me swinging the bat, and he just said, hey, let me show you something. And he just taught me, how to line my knuckles up and lift my elbow and just and, and shorten my stance and step into the ball and just a few little basic things like that. And man, I started knocking the ball all over the place. And it's kind of like that with, with the things of God. It's not a how-to manual or instructions, but basically it is a manual. And sometimes we need to just tweak some things. But how many of you pray to Jesus yeah, to Jesus. Well, the Bible tells us to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. So that's the first thing. Maybe you should try. We should. Father prayer every day. Amen. But I do talk to Jesus. Well, there's nothing wrong with talking to Him. And I'm just saying, when we're asking, when we're talking, it just says pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. The second thing is something that I talk about a lot from Mark, the 11th chapter, around the 24th verse, I think. When we pray, believe that we have what we pray for when we pray. Now that's something I think all of us, we may know that passage of Scripture, we may know that I harp on it a lot and the importance of it, but it's really... Until you really start doing it, until you really pray and say, now I believe that that's mine right now. Even though it seems so far away, I believe right now that that's mine. Because it says believe that you have them when you pray and you shall have them. So we know that there's time in the spiritual realm as well. Proving that through Daniel. But we need to start really focusing on these things. Pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And when we pray, believe we have them when we pray. Get up so excited. 
You know, it's like you just opened all your presents and you know what you got because I prayed and I asked God and I know it's his will. And I'm, I'm just now I'm just waiting. I'm standing in faith. I'm not going to forget that I prayed that and go over here and act like I don't have any expectation of it. Talking to somebody. Oh, man. So broke. So sick. So this. So mad. So and so. But you just prayed about every one of those things. You know, it's like people that go to church and then they leave him there when they leave. You hear the joke all the time. You know, you can't leave Jesus at the church when you leave on Sunday and put your gold star on the wall. Tell him to chill out. You'll see him next Sunday. No. The other thing is forgive. Forgive every day, every day. You know, I, I, forgiveness is one of those sermons that you could have as a go-to, I guess, if you want a go-to sermon that you know you want going to affect everybody. It's going to hit home with everybody because every time I preach forgiveness, which is whenever God tells me to, but it's always one of those that it's very, very personal to everyone. It always does good, and I can see it working on everybody in different ways. And so it's one of those, you know, that, you know, if you were just a, a pastor in the flesh and trying to provoke uh, emotional responses and stuff, it's one of those things, you know, just like preaching about angels and, and things like that. But the truth is that forgiveness is something we need to do continually. We do get offended every day. We do drag up old offenses every day. To say that we don't is really to lie for most people that I know, probably including myself. When our thoughts go to thinking, especially when we're alone and, and not as busy as we should be and, and uh, start to, to let depression come in and all that and the thoughts, they always go back. You notice they never go to the future to a positive, optimistic future, which is where we should be with God, looking forward and bringing those things into being that we, God is birthing in our hearts the plans and dreams and goals. But be, why? Because the devil is bringing up the past and remind us of these old offenses and hurts and things like that. And that's not God. And there's a lot of unforgiveness. There's bitterness. Why me? I could have been this, I could have had that, I could have, you know, not God, not God. And we need to make sure there's anything in there. Lord, if there's any bitterness, any unforgiveness, why does that keep coming up in my mind? Why am I thinking about that? Why did I just mention that to Annette for the fourth time when we made up for it two weeks ago? Why did I ask dad why he didn't do this for me and he said he was going to do it last summer and this summer's in it. He still didn't do, you know, there's, there's always little foxes. And that's what it says in the Bible is that the little foxes spoil the vine. That's why when Jesus says, believe that you have right there in, in Mark eleven twenty four, he said, believe that you have what you pray for when you pray and you shall have it. And he always says, and if there's anything in your heart, forgive, forgive while you stand there praying, forgive. If you come with a gift to the altar and you remember that somebody has something against you, leave your gift and go and make that right and then come back and give. 
it's important because those are the things that keep us from hearing God clearly, from seeing the things of God clearly, seeing the future, the positive, wonderful things that God has in store for us. The little foxes that spoil the vine. So pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Believe you have what you pray for when you pray. And make sure there's no unforgiveness or bitterness in your heart. And then the last two things are really one. But depend on the Holy Spirit to help you. Because it says that He makes intercession for us. He knows the very will of God. And you need to draw on that. Jesus said, when I go, I'm going to send you a helper. And so he says, it's good that I should go. So who are we to question him and just say, Jesus, I wish you were here with me. You know, that's offensive to the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus is here with us. He's the same as the Holy Spirit and the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. And so we know that this is the great mystery of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're three distinct individuals, yet one. Not one because they have the same, they agree on everything. They're just one. It's just something that we don't understand and quite frankly don't know when we will, but we know that it's true because we have faith. And so we know that He's with us. If we've been born again and we have the indwelling Spirit of God, then we need to rely upon the Holy Spirit to make intercession for us and help us when we pray. (coughs) And the last thing is something that I've been telling you guys for a year and a half and others for 10 years, that you need to take time every single day to build yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Paul said, man, I pray in tongues more than all of you. I hope all of you do. Because it builds you up in your most holy faith. And I said last week, when you, if you're not praying in the Spirit, you're working offline. <laughs> Why not use the resources God has given us to help us? And if anyone needs help with this, understanding it or growing in it, I can help you. And uh, I tell you, it's, it's, we're coming to a time, and I've been saying this for years, but God is more urgent about it now than ever, that the real church, the true church in the end times is going to need to be adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit and to walk in authority and power and victory and love like no other. And they will be easily recognizable Because of these things. God has not left us without help. He has sent us the Holy Spirit. He has provided the full armor of God for us. And just like when that servant went back to get a bride for Isaac. And he found Rebecca. We noticed how quickly... She adorned herself with the gifts that the servant brought to her. And how she followed him back on that journey toward her bridegroom. That's a picture of us. We are Rebecca, the church. Isaac is Jesus. And that servant is the Holy Ghost.
That whole chapter in Genesis is a beautiful self-portrait of the author of this book. Another thing that I just <clears throat> wish I could elaborate on more and more, and I, I think I, I will, um, but I'm just going to touch on it now maybe, but it is God's <clears throat> will to heal, to heal everyone. And I just want to point out couple of scriptures if you look at Isaiah the 53rd chapter most of you familiar with the fourth and fifth verse there it says Isaiah 53 verse 4 surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds we are healed. Amen. That's a picture of Jesus. And the things that happened to him. And how he bore our physical Afflictions upon his body on the tree. And because of that, this is talking about physical healing. If you look over in Matthew, the 8th chapter. Uh, Matthew 8, uh, 17. This is when Peter and took everyone to his mother-in-law's house after Jesus had been ministering and they went to there and she was sick and Jesus went over and and he touched her and she was healed and the fever left her and she began to serve them and then that evening people began to come to the house there people who were oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick and it says in verse 17 there, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, what we just read in the Old Testament. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. You see that? So it's not talking about spiritual diseases, spiritual sickness, is it? He actually physically healed them. And then the Bible says here, this was to fulfill what was said by Isaiah, that he bore our illnesses and, and diseases. So that's physical healing. And one more time, you can look in 1 Peter. Keep going back toward the back. 1 Peter chapter 2. That's after Hebrews. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. It says, He, speaking of Jesus, Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, by his wounds, you have been healed. So, praise God. The Bible says that out of the mouths of two or three witnesses, every word is established. And so, there's three witnesses for you right there. It shows that we are entitled. It is part of redemption to be physically healed. 
And this is so important in the lives of believers. And it's not only important for you and your family and loved ones that you know this and believe this and that you fight for this, but that you can pass it on because Jesus used the ability to heal others as a dinner bell to preach the gospel to them so that they would listen and receive and believe. Amen? So it's part of, part of the redemption. Just like the forgiveness of sins. You know, really, everyone is entitled by law, legally, according to God's word, to be forgiven of their sins, aren't they? But not everyone is. Why? Because they haven't received it by faith. Well, the same thing goes for physical healing. It's part of our inheritance. It's part of our redemption. It's part of the atonement of Jesus on the cross. And we need to fight for it. The next thing about healing is that we need to know that sickness comes from Satan, not from God. Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 38. So what's the first thing about healing? It's God's will to heal, right? The second thing is that Sickness doesn't come from God, it comes from Satan. Look at Acts 10, verse 35. You got it? That's not it. It's 38. Sorry about that. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. So this was Peter. He was talking to some people about salvation. And he said, haven't you heard of this Jesus of Nazareth? He's very excited. He said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. So, first of all, that says that Jesus is somebody who works good, not evil, right? We know that from John 10.10 as well. There's another witness where they were accusing him of having a demon. He said, wait a minute. I know Satan. I watched him fall from heaven as like lightning to the the earth. And he said, he's a liar. He's the father of lies. He said, the devil comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So there's the dividing line. Good God, bad devil. And then right here in Acts 10.38, it shows that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. In other words, he, he never turned anyone down. He never turned anyone away. So it's always God's will to heal. And it's never God who puts sickness on people. It's always the devil. He's the one who comes to steal kill and destroy Jesus said if you've seen me you've seen the father so if it's Jesus will and he told that leper the leper said if you're willing you can make me clean he said I'm willing be clean so now we don't have to wonder amen if he did it for one he'll do it for you he's no respecter of persons he's the same yesterday today and forever
My goodness. Praise you, Jesus. People need to know, too, that there's a difference in the Old and the New Covenant. One of the problems with a lot of uh, Christians thinking is that they see this spot right here between Malachi and Matthew as just one blank page in their Bible. You see that? (laughs) This is where the Old Covenant stops and the New Covenant starts. And there's a lot more that divides these Old and New Testaments than just one blank page in your Bible. Everything changed right there. Everything that people were judged by God for in the, under the law for that 1,500 years prior to Jesus' coming, we've been redeemed from. All the curses we've been redeemed from. We have a better covenant now with better promises. Most people know that there were miracles of healing in the old covenant. And they need to know that now we have a better covenant with better promises, what the Bible says. And if it's better, then that means it has everything good that the old one have only had only more, right? <coughs> so that's where we're at. So you need to believe. God dealt with sickness in the old covenant, and he dealt with it in the new. Only thing is now... We have a better covenant with better promises. And it's always God's will to heal. It's never Him that puts sickness on people. If He wants to teach us, He uses the rod of correction in His Word for those who will respond to it. Now, we might open doors for the devil to come in and steal, kill, and destroy from us. And we do. And He still loves us. But if we do then it's not Him doing it, is it? We have a free will. And a lot of times, it's just because we're running the wrong way by mistake. So we need to be discipled. We need to understand the truth of God's Word. Another thing is there's, a, there's more than one way to be healed. And this is a big one. This is one that we could teach on for a few weeks but I'll just scrape the surface of it because sometimes people expect healing the same way every time you know John Hagee one time he had four ladies in wheelchairs sitting side by side in a meeting and He was just preaching and then the Lord gave him a word of knowledge. The anointing came upon him and he knew what was wrong with one of them. And he knew that she was going to be healed. And he told her so. 
And she was. She got up out of that wheelchair and walked and everything else. Now, people that don't understand might think, why didn't he do the same thing for the other three then? Well, the problem is you think that John Hagee healed that woman, but he didn't. The anointing did. That was an operation of the Holy Spirit. And it just used him. And these things will happen within church settings. But one of the easiest ways to get healed is just to demand it. <laughs> you say, wait a minute. I'm supposed to make demands of God? That's the look I just got from you, Annette. Tell me if I'm wrong. That's right. And you know what? You're right. We don't make demands of God, do we? Now, when we talked about prayer a moment ago, who do we pray to? The Father in the name of Jesus. So when we make a demand, we're making the demand in the name of Jesus. We're not demanding it of the Father. We're demanding it of the devil. Is it all starting to come together now? Jesus gave us authority over the power of the devil. So we make demands using the name of Jesus over the lies, over the the pain, the afflictions, the lying symptoms that the devil has put upon us and others. Amen? So we speak directly to those sicknesses, to the illness, to the devil, in the name of Jesus. And that authority carries a lot of weight. That's a big stick. We're not making any demands of the Father because healing has already been granted. Just like forgiveness of our sins. It's part of our redemption. So we keep begging God, the Father, to do something that He's already established through His Son, Jesus Christ, and the authority has already been given to us to obtain. So, if it's not working great for you the other way, you've been trying it, try it this way. The other way is through prayer. Just keep on praying. To the Father in the name of Jesus. Nothing wrong with that. Amen. What, there's another thing it says in the book of James. If there ain't be any sick amongst you. Call upon the elders of the church. And they will come and anoint you with oil. And pray for you. And the prayer of faith. Will make you whole. And any of those who have sinned. Will be forgiven of their sins. Isn't that what he said? And it's well established throughout the Bible. The laying on of hands. To heal the sick. And that's for you. That's not just for me. That's not just for... uh, a traveling uh, evangelist that has the gift of miracles and healing. That's for you. Pray about it. Anoint your loved one with oil and lay hands on them. And now, instead of saying, Father, heal her. Which you can do that. 
But you might try demanding that sickness to leave in the name of Jesus. And then there are the the gifts of the Spirit. There's nine gifts of the Spirit we talked about that, that are listed in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. The nine gifts that are listed there and healing and miracles and all those are, are definitely still alive and active in the church today. And again, you'll see these things happen in different settings. And, and sometimes you'll see them, sometimes you won't. If you go to... And, and I'm not picking on anybody. I love everybody because it's just a big, it's a big melting pot the church is now. And I think the real church, when we say the real church, please stand up and we see who the real children of God are in these times. Um, we're going to find out that they're, they're coming from all denominations and settings and backgrounds because it's the people that truly love Jesus and are seeking him who will find him and he will save them wherever they are. And he's going to draw us all together. And I think you're going to see these denominational barriers and walls begin to crumble and fall, except for those who are really not his anyway and just caught up in dead religion. And so I'm not against anybody, but we like to make jokes sometimes. And there's this, uh, a lot of people who who are anointed now and who are evangelical and have the gifts of the Spirit and operate in the, in, the, in the operations of the Holy Ghost and pray in the Holy Ghost. They, a lot of them say that in the old days they, got, they would get the right boot of fellowship from the Baptists, you know, if they ever got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And, and there's lots of denominations and things and settings that just don't believe in these things. And then you show them things in the Bible and they'll tell you, oh, well, there's a lot of stuff in there we don't believe that ought to tell you something right there. And if they have another book that goes with this, it ought to tell you something right there. Just saying. It's just uh, that his people are perishing for lack of knowledge. I want to keep going. There's a whole bunch more stuff I want to tell you, but it's we're, we're out of time today. And I just want to thank y'all for being here. I love you. And if you just take these these few things we've talked about today, these simple truths, and just make a point of applying them and talking to the Lord about them and just saying, I just want to switch these things up. And I, it makes sense to me. Either it makes sense or it, or you can come and talk to me and say, hey, I don't really get that. It doesn't really make sense to me because of this or this. And we can talk about it. But if it does make sense, it bears witness then apply these truths and start and see if it if it translates to more power in your prayer life. Amen. Because that's what we want. Amen. And so does he. He really does. He wants us all to walk in victory in every area of our life. And he wants us to help others to do the same. Father, thank you for this time together with your children. Thank you for your precious word, these truths that you've shown me, these, these examples, these scriptures, these truths, Lord. And we just thank you for sharing them with us. We thank you that they will take root and bear fruit in our lives and we will see results, Lord. We don't want to just be right. We want to be reconciled. We want to walk in victory and power. We want to see results. Lord, you showed me that the reason that a lot of the gifts of the spirit that 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 you have for us that the things that you want to do in our midst that the reason that you don't see a lot of these especially in our nation is because the people aren't desiring them earnestly 
And if they would, they would have them. So help us to just have a great, greater desire for your truth and your word and your, the power, that, the redemptive power that comes through the atonement of Jesus Christ. Help us to walk in, in a greater manifestation of these things, Lord, that we might be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen.